They're taking Jerrigan pot strewn strategically along the daily. Chatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So I got one of those standard green Afant tags, a bottle of red nail polish, and one of those engrave your name on a grain of rice kits I got off eBay, and I reckon I'm in with a shot, you know. Uh-oh. More. Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. drink up. Get up. your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome aboard the busted ass, beat up, baiting, crusted, beer can littered, two stroke belching, aluminium angling workbench. We call Tales from the Tinny. We love our beat up old aluminium bag of bones with all its foibles and its breakdowns and its beat up bits. But on the horizon, there is a gilt edge on that bruise-coloured build-up storm, then maybe we might be able to bust out a new flash, state-of-the-art mega-hull with enough horses on the back that would keep a bark coming stable in business and all the electronic fruit a bloke could possibly, possibly want. Because... It is million dollar fish time, fish hose. It's time to get your lucky wishbones. Get your little bag of juju business. Get your mojo going and get out in the creeks, rivers and billabongs. And have a crack at that latest calcarifer that might have a magic red ticket to a new boat. Hanging out of its luscious silver or possibly even swamp coloured flank. G'day, my name's Robert Smith. I've been away for a few weeks. I had to get away from the, the rip and tear of modern society, the push and pull, the stress and strain that is Tales from the Tinny. And I needed some self examination. I needed a bit of introspection. I needed some soul medicine. So I took myself to the Arnhem Land Escarpment, climbed up, found myself a secluded cave and rock hole, peeled all my gear off, just a bit of a loincloth of paper bark, and sat there playing with sticks and rocks for a number of weeks, and just taking a long, hard look at myself. I discovered a few things. I discovered I like beer. I discovered I like fishing. But I think I discovered the key to life is the combination of these two loves. It's drinking beer and fishing. Now maybe you might say that was three weeks wasted in a cave, Smith. Everybody knows that. 
But sometimes, fishos, we all need a break. We all need just a little, just to take the heat off, drop the revs back, and just check what's going on under the hood and find the realities of life. And now I'm back, and Timmy's in my cave. He's off there trying to find the realities of his life. I don't think he's even bothering with the paperbark loincloth. He's just running full escarpment commando up there while he does his introspection. Good on you, Timmy. You find that truth, mate. You find that inner truth. Now, the soldier who's been the, the most amazing reinforcement in my absence has been Packy Andy. G'day, mate. G'day, Rob. Welcome back. And you've, you've re-robed as well, which is great. And uh, I've spent time in the cave too, over overseas. Have you? In my home country. <laughs> in your home country? It was hostile. But it sounds like it was hostile in your cave too. Only the body odour, really. <laughs> Only the personal hygiene. But it's exciting times, isn't it? Oh, it's frenzy times. Not just not, not feeding frenzy, but million-dollar frenzy. Just fantastic time of the year where everyone has a chance to win. Everyone has a chance to fulfil that gilt-edged, bruise-coloured build-up cloud. What have we got coming up in the tinny today, Andy? Lots coming up, Rob. In a week where it's all about the oils, Chris Erity gives us the oil on his backyard. Yeah, the rock's just starting to fish, and it does normally fish better around the neeps when there's better water clarity. And as we said, the first red tag has already been claimed by the short favourite George Vuklos Jr. But he wasn't giving much away in his first interviews to ABC Radio. Where did you catch the fish? In the water, mate. (laughs) Yes, that's George. (laughs) We'll get plenty more out of George as the Tinny Boys have a crack at him during an interview later on the show. And it'll be a little bit, uh, maybe not what you expected, George's description of his reaction. Perhaps not, perhaps, perhaps not the oils, perhaps more like uh, things of stone and wood. <laughs> boom, boom. Let's move on. And uh, anglers in the shady lady cop, forced to endure fishy flatulence. Oh, it was just dry reaching. It was disgusting. <laughs> more like, ooh, what's that smell? And it just kind of kept wafting around in the only air that was in the boat. That is very much like the cave. I was, wa- was going to ask that, Rob, because it sounds like you, it sounds like my old cave. <laughs> we, oh, we seek enlightenment, we seek oil, we seek purification here in Tinny, but most of all, we're seeking red tags. Stay with us and get a mullet up, ya. Are you allowed to fill them up with steroids? Of course you are. Just like the greyhounds revealed this week that they're on cocaine and Viagra. Of all the drugs to make a, a dish liquor go faster, who the hell thought to pop a bit Is of it Viagra like, are into they it? they ploughing furrows around the track? <laughs> Surely that'd have to slow you down. You would have thought it on first impression giving Viagra to a dish liquor would have created a bit of unnecessary excess drag. You what know, happens with a rabbit if we catch it? <laughs> Move well, on. <laughs> Move on. Tales from the Tinny. Heading down the track now for the first time in a long time. I've been off in an escarpment cave doing a bit of self-analysis and self-reflection. Warren DeWitt's been doing the rounds, not in a cave, but in the saddle. Warren, g'day. How are you, mate? I'm very good, Rob. Very good to be back. Now, the question we usually ask is, have you taken a tumble? But these days, it's... 
have you won a gong? And secondly, how did your transport go? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Rob. You obviously have heard on the grapevine that I had a few problems again travelling down to Brunette and to Tanner Creek. I you wouldn't believe it. I've got a brand new goose. No, I would right? believe it, mate. I would believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've done four tyres this trip on it. Everyone just shakes their head and everyone just runs from me now. No one wants to travel with me because they know that I'm just a jinx and uh, I seem to be spending about 10 hours on the side of the road to try and get to a place that normally would only take you four or five hours. So so if someone's was... uh, driving along the Stewart Highway and they see a, a horse uh, gooseneck rig with uh... 18 spare tyres strapped on the roof and down the sides, <laughs> uh, they can just quite confidently say, G'day, Warren, how uh... are you, mate? And a helicopter or a plane following me behind with spare tyres, buddy, yeah. It was good fun, though. The weather was really good. At times it was a bit hot, but the uh, camp drafting was really good fun and got into a couple of finals. Um, didn't win any ribbons or you know get across the finish line on any of the the main finals, but still had a good time, though. The weather's uh, on the turn, definitely. We're mm. seriously in the build-up, mate. It's getting very sticky. I'm assuming you've got the same down there. Yeah, no, it's beautiful down here now. We're really getting into that higher humidity and build-up weather coming on, so... Everyone's sort of starting to talk about the fish being more active now and they're hearing them buffing and working along in a lot of the river systems at the moment. So big tides this weekend. We've got a full moon on Friday night. So if you want to get out into the billabongs and uh, cast a few lures in the dark or in the moonlight, um, I reckon this weekend should be really, really good for it, actually. What about the daytime fishing at the billabongs, uh, Warren? What sort of impact could that have? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, you don't really know until you go and see what the fish are like because um, if they're excitable and and they're active, well, you might have a good chance. But usually what happens with the moon phase being on a full moon, they seem to be more active of the night time as we've sort of learned over the years. I find three days after the full moon, it seems to fish fairly good uh, during the day or three days before the full moon seems to fish really good in the billabongs when that moon comes up fairly early as it's leading up to a full moon, which is three days prior, it's up a little bit earlier. And also, if you go out fishing of uh, a night time and early in the morning, it sets a bit later as well, which gives you that opportunity as that moon sets, seems to have another trigger and you get another fish bite in those billabongs. You really need to get out there and have a crack. I mean, obviously, we keep on talking about the water temperature, and if it keeps going up, we're going to have fish starting to tail a lot in the, the weed beds and that because they're not interested because they're starting to show signs of stress. And there was a bit of rain around last week, which is really good to see. Not enough to do any damage in regards to fish kills, but certainly um, will liven the fish up in the billabongs, I reckon. Well, that's good news, Warren. Uh, selfish question here. The Kakadu Billabongs, more specifically. Someone I know, including their wife and kid, is going there next weekend. <laughs> I reckon Kawinda, Yellow Waters, Kawinda Yellow Waters, even uh, Mardigal, uh, Jim Jim, all those billabongs are definitely worth a look at at the moment. Um, home billabong would be really good as well. It's very deep, um, so that water usually takes a lot longer to warm up, so you can uh, get a bit more of an opportunity of trawling along there. And obviously... Um, just flicking the weed beds with shallow running lures or soft plastics it seems to be a really good way of finding fish that are sitting in there waiting to ambush bait. But, yeah, I'd be certainly more than happy to go and try the billabongs this weekend and see what happens. That was exactly the answer that Andy was looking for, Warren. Well done. <laughs> building his, building his uh, encouragement up there, uh, Rob, just so that he'll go out and have a crack and then he'll be able to give us a full report next week of exactly how right or wrong we are in regards to the moon face. Awesome. Let's uh, move around the parish a bit. Uh, Timber Creek, the Vic. Yeah, been really good. Um, this weekend's tides are not really conducive for the Vic because we're building and going into spring tides because of the full moon on Friday night. So you have to give it another 
week or so before it'll settle down and start to go clear again. But if you're going to go out there, you're certainly live bait, um, and there won't be no reason why you won't catch fish uh, with Popeye mullet or anything like that down on the flats right down the bottom near uh, Curiosity Peak or the mouth of the the banes down there on the flats there'll be a lot of fish getting pushed around a lot of bait getting moved around obviously with the bigger tides as well but the window is a little bit smaller a lot of debris gets pushed up and down those rivers during these spring tides as well which makes it a little bit harder to fish in at times but find some of those back eddies um, so that you're out of the current a little bit and those baits seem to pull in there and also the barra and the salmon go in there as well and also don't forget to take your crab pots with you because there's lots of crabs running out there at the moment as well so if you want to take a few crab pots out there and put them in on the incoming tide and then check them after a couple of hours and see how you're going you'll find that there's a fair few mud crabs running through there at the moment good advice warren what about the roper how's that fishing it's a bit a little bit funny the roper but i reckon it's going to start to come good now um, because the roper will fire out the front and and start to get really good now as we go into these uh, build-up periods where the bigger fish exactly like shady camp uh, the mary river and all those places the south alligator where all those bigger fish now start to congregate out the front there to start to uh, do their spawning cycle so I would certainly say this weekend's tide's a bit big for the mouth of the roper. You're going to have water clarity problems, but certainly if you want to go offshore, um, the wind seems to be pretty good. I'd be looking at getting out around Maria Island. There's lots of mackerel out there and obviously lots of good snapper and jewies. Um, if the river's too dirty, it's quite easy just to shoot out to Maria Island and find some clear water and fish on some of them bombies out there, which are uh, you know, really chockers with tuna, mackerel, queenies, trevally, everything you want to throw uh, lures at or soak baits at where are out there at the moment. Good on you, Warren. Lovely to catch up again. We'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, boys. All the best. The hoying, well, the hoying always runs thick and fast, Andy, but some of the hoying might be a little bit more guarded when there's red tags to be had. Do you think people cage up a bit, tighten up the, the information flow a little bit in red tag time? Oh, I think people get hoy coy. Hoi <laughs> I like it. You probably didn't have much internet or phone coverage in the cave, Rob. No. But listeners might remember John Kears. He gave us a hoi a couple of weeks ago. He was the one that came out looking pretty sweet after the bungs were left out of the boat. Oh. Well, he's hoied us. Uh, he's talked about a trip to remember. Uh, the winch handle snapping off the winch before rocking up to the ramp. Metery catties, but no legal barra. Crocs heads butting the boat, missing the tide, running out of fuel. That's like the Quinella, isn't it? Oh, it's all happening here. And also running out of beer at midnight. That's the Quadrilla. He was on a roll. And then he's followed up with another text, and this was a live one, saying, I'm currently up the daily, uh, upstream, meant to be there for three days, but the motor on my punt has given way. Second boat cooked itself, trying to source another boat. My luck isn't great lately. So, look, those first toys, he was obviously the pigeon in the bung stories, but... (laughs) He is now well and truly the statue in these hoys. <laughs> yes. But whoever's, hey, whoever's uh, being sized up to get the third boat, jeez, he'd be wary, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. Hey, Kearsy, how come you need my boat? <laughs> Haven't you got access to two others? <laughs> Bommy is a guide with uh, Tiwi Fishing Adventures. He uh, found a guest that had been giving him flack all day, and uh, Bommy decided to reap his own retribution on this aforementioned flat-giving chap in the form of convincing him that eating a still-pumping dewy heart was a good idea. 
She's still pumping. Good luck to eat it. Get into it, mate. Chew her up. <laughs> well done, mate. Oh dear. Well, I suppose you know, we always say anything fresh out of the ocean is all right, but Bommy, I bet you enjoyed that. I bet you enjoyed that. Uh, Nick Castle uh, has given us a text as well with a picture attached. The Vicar's firing at the moment. If you use cheese as bait. Now, the picture shows uh, we presume it's his mate Shannon with whiskers drawn on him and a rat barra and the words meow, the rat catcher, stuck on top. Intriguing. I think Nick is having a fair old crack at Shannon there about his ability to catch decent-sized fish. Lats got in touch with us. Um, oh, Lats. Yeah, How's he been? We know Lats. He only, he only gets in touch with us for a couple of reasons. First of all, if he's got a photo of Bolchi with a line full of wind knots, like he did last week. <laughs> That's right. Or no fish. Or second, if he's actually smashing the barrow. This was the latter. He went on a solo mission and had three meteries between Coburg and the Moyle, so that's... Oh, that uh, fine, that fine tunes yeah, it for us let's, let's not get too specific, lads. He used this pimped-up painted lure, and he apparently uses this only for the build-up. We'll hit him up next week for a bit more detail. Oh, maybe a bit of red nail polish coming out, or something along those lines. A, a bit more detail shouldn't be that difficult if we're working from a base of somewhere <laughs> yeah, between Coburg and the Moyle. He's working on the George Bookalos theory. Uh, Dwayne has given us a hoy. Uh, poor old Peter Garrett is suffering from jock rod, apparently. Who wears skinny black jeans in October when you live in Sydney and visit Darwin for a day? When you live in Sydney and have just come straight from the Northern Hemisphere, mind you. Top marks, mate. Lucky you can sing. We both went to the gig the other night. It was cracker, Andy, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. 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 And John Russo has also sent us in a bit of vision. Uh, some amazing footage of some Max getting airborne, hitting surface lures on the cast. Oh! Yay! <laughs> Go again. That was so and we'll be following up John next week for more info on that trip as well. There were some great picks along not just the Max, some other great species. So John Rosso cleaning up very well. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a voice. George Vukalos Jr. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Pretty good. Um, 4th of October. Is that a, a day that's going to be marked down on your calendar from uh, this point forward? It is now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you better tell us why. A bloke who looks extremely exhausted, a bit saggy around the eyes, but has got a... I don't know whether it's a million-dollar grin or, or possibly a 10K grin. Tell us how it came about, mate. Well, because of what's happening at around the crossing, there's just... Uh, too many fishermen there, so I thought I'd just go down to Browns because over the years I've always get, seemed to get the numbers there. And just the way the place is set up, you know, it's just got rock bars, it's got thousands of snags. just makes sense that a lot of the fish will be hanging around there. And they're very clean fish compared to the crossing. They seem to be a little bit chubby, chubbier and darker. When it's just neap tides, you're better off just fishing the crossing. Um, whereas when you start getting those the bigger runs, the build-up, I tend to go to Browns. Not a lot of people in the world are ever going to experience what it's like to see a red tag in a fish that you land. Tell us how it feels when you see that red tag. I don't know if I can say it on yeah, you <laughs> can say whatever you like, Just mate. instant erection, mate. What else can you say? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is your third, is it? No, nah, second. Was the reaction the same the second time as the first time? 
Well, I actually saw it this time, so yeah, a bit of a panic there. It sort of jumped and twirled a few times, and I just panicked. I just oh, you saw the tag yeah, as it was I saw uh... the tag this time, whereas last year I was trying to shake it off. I had no idea there was a tag on it, because I didn't want to lose my lure. As I dragged it up, spun the fish over. That's when I noticed it. So, what was the size of it, George? Uh, my erection or the fish? <laughs> the fish is bigger, actually. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, well, I know so. <laughs> Yeah, this was actually 71 centimetres. The one I got last year was 63. And a nice-looking nice looking silver fish, as you yeah, said, too, yeah, from Browns there. They're very silver down there. Uh, yeah, yellowy, whitish sort of tails, whereas I've never caught one like that up at the crossing. Have you been fishing down there hard since the, the comp started? No, this is my first trip. Last Monday, uh, I fished uh, the crossing for quite a few hours. I only got two fish there, and then... Uh, too many fishermen rocked up, so I got in my car, I flew down to Browns and I got the high tide, which was about 11.30, and I just got the incoming tide. I didn't get as many, but yeah, plenty of numbers there, but no tag. So uh, let's talk fish apart from uh, the ones with red tags. Uh, there's big moon coming up, big tide coming up. They're good for Browns? Yep. It's, um, well, it's actually two nights before the full moon. And I've always done pretty well those two, three nights before the full. And then I've seemed to have gone back on the full and it's just not the same. So they just tend to gorge as the, the building tides. But on the neeps, you sort of got to fish around the crossing area. Whereas the bigger tides, you, you go down and work browns and further down. And what style of lure are you throwing around at browns? I uh, usually fish with a lot of fizzes there, but because the moon was so bright, uh, just squidgies, mate. That's what I got the, the fish on, black and gold squidgy. One barb? One barb, yep. I can even show it to you. Yep, no stingers. Yep. <laughs> you don't like a stinger, do you? No, I don't like the stingers, mate. Because like I said, you get, you get snagged, you stay snagged. Yeah. But uh, yeah, very interesting last night. Got over probably a dozen fish, uh, a lot of small ones. But yeah, 12 of those were between the 65 up to about 80. It was the biggest. So. How do you think the Dahlia fish as uh, the build-up continues? Well, this is when it starts getting really good because now we've actually had a couple of showers there um, and the more we get, hopefully we can get some sort of Catherine way and if it comes down dirty, then see you there. That's the time. Yeah, that's the time, generally, yep. So you've got one. You're going to go and try and get some more? Oh, yeah. I've still got four months worth, mate. <laughs> I'm not going to stop now. <laughs> Last year you had the misfortune of, of your dad passing away and so a lot of the last tag went um, in putting him to rest. Mm-hmm. This year, are you going to be able to spend it on yourself? No, mate. Now we've got the headstone. We did the, we did the grave, now I've got the headstone. If I get one next year, then that's mine, mate. Oh, you got another one coming this year, mate. I'd be going to a sports bookmaker and looking up George Vukalos to get one, two, three red tags this year. I reckon they'd be laying odds. Well, it might be hard now because uh, everybody will be down there, I guess. But that's okay. I don't mind. So George, in amongst it, I think that'd be, uh, as I said, short odds on George banging another one before the comp's out. Get out, fishos, and give yourself a chance at getting one too. There's some interesting legal issues here, Andy. 
it sort of changes the landscape a bit, doesn't it? Because when you can go fishing and have the chance of coming back as a millionaire, it adds an extra dimension. A dimension of, uh, yeah, how solid is this friendship? How, how much do I like the people that I've actually got on my boat? How do we divide the spoils? And is it a team sport or an individual sport when you've got a boatload of three blokes or, or, or girls or ladies? Mm. What, do you, what do you do if someone catches a 10000 or a million-dollar fish? I think it is something that needs to be uh, quite clearly lined out or outlined, <laughs> is probably the better word, before the finish, before the fish is actually coming in. Now, Andy, I think what we need here is some sort of legal agreement. Mm, I think you, you've got a bit of legal background, haven't you? Oh, I'm a bit of a bush lawyer. I'll have a crack at it. All right, we, let's knock something up and we'll see. We'll, we'll get it downloadable, Fishos, so that you can sign up, so that you're all on the same page, you're all on the same legal standing, if that red tag does come in. Looking after the angling community, Rob. <laughs> that's, that's our core business. Core business, Andy. A bit of a uh, clarification, too. There's a bit of a myth floating around. It was floating around last year, too. And that, the year before. And the year before. The so zombie myth. Season one and two. You know, that the million-dollar fish itself changed, like, daily or weekly. We heard from Brad Fanning last week on the show, and Brad made it pretty clear that the million-dollar fish has got its own numbered tag. And he it actually is gave a us number. The numbers. It's a number, and it mm. stays that number. So it doesn't get redrawn every day. This is a rumour that's been running around for... Quite a while now, Andy, isn't it? So a bit of, bit of piscatorial myth-busting. Great work. Great work. Tales from the Tinny. It's October. It's definitely build-up. So it's time that we came out to Berrima Farm and said day to a bloke who does some of his best work in the build-up. Chris Erity, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Just sweating a bit, though. Sweating a bit. There was a brief shower just before we got here, and I think it kicked it up, Andy, to around about 1,042%. Yeah, just over. It's like a sauna. <laughs> just throw the wood chips in. Shoal Bay, I'm sure you've been giving it a bit of a hit. Yeah, had my first trip a few days ago on the Neeps, yeah, and uh, went pretty well. Now, the season we've had has been a bit funny. It's been uh, you know fairly warm for the dry season. Things seem to be a little bit ahead of schedule. Does Shoal Bay look that way? Well, I heard in September there was a few fish kicking around, but still fairly quiet. And generally, October is when it starts to fire up and you get a chance at a few more numbers. And Neeps is your favourite or just the, the way you went? Uh, well, I fish sort of just after the Neeps as the, as the tides are starting to build. It was OK. Um, spotted a lot of fish on the sounder, uh, mainly around the low tide, uh, like up to 30, 40 in a school, but they wouldn't bite, which is quite often the case in Shell Bay. And you've got to just keep persisting and wait for them to uh, you know, fire up, which they usually do at some stage. Are you confident with the gear you're running at the time and persist and wait for them to turn, or do you go to the tackle box? Try quite a few lures, so we troll through them, and if that doesn't work, then we, uh, we'll lob up with the electric motor and just start throwing vibes and rubbers at them, you know, and just pepper them, pepper them, and hope for a bite. Into some pretty big tidal movement as next week kicks off. Um, what's your advice for punters out there in Shoal Bay on those real bigger tides, you know, 60 centimetres to 7 metre type movement? On the big tides, head in on the high tide, pick a good hole, a place, you know, where there's water at low tide, and just lock in. Basically, pepper it with your lures, You'll get the first hour or so of incoming and then get out of there. So if you pick the right hole, there's fish in it and they can't go anywhere, 
if you happen to pick the wrong hole, you're stuck there for six hours with nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why quite often you'll, you'll pick a spot where you can actually walk to other holes <laughs> in case the one you, you boat in doesn't work. <laughs> how, how does King Creek go on those big lows? Is that a lock-in type creek? Uh, King Creek's okay, but uh, Meckett's is better. And also heading up into the Howard River and hoping to let a lot of holes up in those bigger, bigger areas. Yeah. So how do you think it'll uh, progress from here? You've got those massive tides, as uh, Andy mentioned. A lot of people reckon it uh, kicks the cycle off, that it kills the seagrass, those really low tides exposing the seagrass and set the bacterial chain in motion. Do you adhere to that sort of theory? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I personally don't really fish the big springs a lot. I prefer to have water around all the time in my boat so I can move around, plus the water clarity. Like on the big springs, your, your, your water clarity only gets good on that low, you know. Once, you, once it drains out the hole and the current settles, you, you'll get that bit of, uh, better water clarity and you, and you can catch fish a bit easier. How about the rock? Hearing anything about the rock? Yeah, well, that's, that's my area. That's my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that, my patio. Tell us more. So, yeah, the rock's just starting to fish and it does normally fish better around the neeps when there's better water clarity. So looking good going forward, uh, you've been a bit further afield with a couple of mates recently? Yeah, yeah, we um, got away for a weekend, um, very remote, just fished a couple of small creeks, and luckily for us on the neeps again, the water clarity was good, and we found some um, real big threadies just cruising around on the surface. So pretty amazing fishing really, just sight casting to them. Uh, what are you calling really big? Uh, all metre plus. Schools of up to 20, 30 threadies just cruising around on the surface um, and you can just sight cast to them and, and they're feeding really well, So, which is rare. Yeah. Quite often they just look at your lure and you know you can bounce off their back and they just keep swimming. Fantastic. Sport time. Yeah, amazing fishing. Um, biggest is probably about 110, maybe a bit bigger, you know, around that 20, 25 pound. Um, they, go, they go nuts. Throwing like just shallow divers because they're up near the surface, so... They'd rise to the top and then they'd drop down a bit. When they drop down a bit, vibes. It was a flat neap, you said. So did you find they stayed on the bite or came on the bite at any particular time? Yeah, so it was on the high tide. Um, they hung around for a couple of hours. And as the tide dropped out, they just moved. Well, thank you very much once again, Chris Herity, for a comprehensive roundup. up um, So Shoal Bay will be keeping your attention for a, for a little while yet? Yeah, well, like I said, my first trip got uh, two ninety twos, which is the... Uh, Sort of, you know, you get a lot of 90s out there, so beautiful That's, that's just a, a, like a day of the office, that's a small day of the office. <laughs> Great, fit, beautiful looking fish, that's why we go. So close, so easy, good stuff. Good on you, Chris. No worries. Get a mullet up, ya. Go on. You've been dying to try. And there's no time like the present. Tales from the Tinny. Something else I learned in the cave, Andy. On Beard's joined us. For Hello. A, for this interlude. How are you, Beard? Yeah, all right. Something I learned in the, the Arnhem Land Escarpment Cave is that there is no time like the present. The carpe diem. You must do what you must do now. 
It's no time like the present. It's no time like the present for the Mataranka Sport and Rec Club because they've got their Barabash on this weekend. Desi Barrett's been in contact. Good on you, Desi. He's always sent us pictures of where he listens to the podcast, usually with his cruise up to its diff in the roper and people in deck chairs supping on a coldie. <laughs> I think his other half took out the comp last year. So good luck all down there. A year into the marriage, too. A year into the marriage. Oh, it is too, of course. Remember? That's right. Mm. The, oh, the most picturesque wedding ever to grace the tinny Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. It was classic. Yeah, I think there was some bare feet in there. It basically oh. did it in the middle of the river. It was magnificent. A tinny wedding. There was a bit of an issue about public holidays, I believe, while I was taking an extended public holiday, Andy. Yeah, while you were caved up, um, Carl gave us a hoy. Oh. And he made a really valid point. He said that Victoria's got the AFL public holiday. Yeah. Why doesn't the NT have a fishing public holiday? New mm. South Wales has a, the NRL grand final holiday as well. Absolutely. So there are public holidays for all sorts of occasions. And we did some research last week on the show, which I know might sound a little bit weird, uh, Rob, on for the show. show. Yeah. I doubt it. Tim did have a go at me for bringing some facts to the show as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't want too many of them. <laughs> for on. which I do apologise. What were you thinking? Well, there's a bit of precedent because there's that far north Queensland community that actually have a public holiday for their local fishing competition. Right, that's it. So that's it. I think we need to take this to the minister. Oh, righto. Our bush barrister, Andy, Packy Andy, you're on the job, son. You've got two jobs this week. Wow, so it's my last show on air, but it um, sounds like I'm going to be working for you blokes anyway. <laughs> That's right, mate. Once you're in the door, you're not getting paid anyway. So can that I, just continues. Can I keep it? my pass? Yeah, of course. We'll give you a stubby cooler too. Oh. That's pay. That's I'm in. wages. I'm in. <laughs> and there's been clarifications, or, well, re-clarifications, I guess, on the Impex exclusion zones for fishers, Andy. Yeah, that's right. So Impec's just confirming that there's a safety and security exclusion zone of about 500 metres established around the product loading jetty, and the information for that's all on the Impex website. You've been on a, a sortie out to Middle Arm. Check out the developments out there, be it very flash, very flashed up, very east coast almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. As we drove in, we were like... We thought we just sort of, uh, you know, travelled uh, over to the east coast to a to a to a fishing uh, fishing car park over there. They've got those big rocks. You know, this is the new middle arm car park. There's huge rocks around the the edge of it, so you can't sort of do a, a dodgy park. So your parks are clearly marked delineated. And, and delineated, designated. So it's all very uh, it's all very neat and tidy. It's it's uh, look, all very it's, ordered. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. I'd say it's it's clean, it's safe, and it's orderly. All things that. Well, I mean, you'd have we to say... We are not. <laughs> yeah, 25 uh, cars and trailers, I believe that's that's how many they fit. Um, it was beautiful midweek. Only one other car and trailer there. And the uh, the core data that needs to come from this chat beard, <laughs> Yeah, The boat as a whole did well. The boat uh, got 77, a 70, a 60-something, and a 50, I think it was bang on. Barra, uh, Barra. Barra, yeah. Oh, and two 60s. And um, four of those belonged to one person. <laughs> one 60 belonged to me, and uh, another 60 to the other member of the, of the crew. Oh, but, you got a 60? I thought you were coming with pants down by no, the way you were building it up. No, no, no. Well, there, there was a moment there where, where it was donuts for two of us, and, uh, and, and, and the skipper had four, and... It was just you were just trying to ride that balance between just trying to keep your your general anger and frustration down and trying to 
maintain some dignity, uh, which the 16th... Once again, maintaining dignity is not a strong point <laughs> here in this program. <laughs> We're neither dignified nor clean nor safe. But what did happen over the, the what Sunday, Monday, Tuesday was the Shady Ladies Comp. G'day, I'm Mel. Hi, I'm Joe. Hi, I'm Mel. The winners of the Shady Lady Comp, the Team Dirty Oars. How are you feeling? Yeah, we're pretty stoked. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit surreal still at the moment, but yeah, we're wrapped. And pretty stuffed too. Um, uh, Joe, you've put your dress on backwards this morning. <laughs> I have. I still haven't quite, you know, got back into reality. <laughs> Lucky it's not a racer back dress. <laughs> And Mel, number one, uh, uh, you're actually uh, not only a member of, uh, of the winning team, but took out Best Angler too. Yeah, I did. Um, that was actually a bit of a surprise. So, Talk me through it. What was the strategy when you got out there that, that saw you take it down? We'd heard that a couple of fish had been hanging around the area where we were fishing. Uh, so we thought we'd give that a try first. And lines were in on the first day at 6.30. And within three minutes, we already had our first points on the board that's got to feel good yeah Mm. so we thought we might just stick this area out a little bit longer and I think it was within like another maybe half an hour we had a next point scorer so yeah we just kind of stuck to that strategy and watched the sounder and moved if the fish weren't there to another spot and that seemed to pay off we were fishing upstream so um we normally fish downstream the previous years and we love the mouth so we really missed seeing the mouth this year but um i think we can handle that with the end result yeah 1740 points what does that equate to in fish numbers uh we got 33 fish total and as it was it was actually 11 fish each day (laughs) you guys uh, had taken quite a few trays of of lures out Ah, uh, yes. The whole back of the boat was full. I think we probably had three, six, nine, twelve, maybe 14 trays of lures plus under the floor, and we used three lures the entire comp. Everyone stuck to their one lure? Yep. yep. And, and there was the same colour, same depth, the exact same lure yeah. for the whole comp. But it was pretty cutthroat out there. You had some people trying to sniff out some intel at close quarters. We did. We had a few teams um, chasing us up and down our trawling run. So, yeah, we had a couple of girls drive up in, in nice, you know, nice jests and say, come on, girls, watch your tips. We're going to follow you. We're going to see what lures you are using. So that just made us even more make sure we kept our lures in the water. <laughs> our lures never, never made it into the air. They were always down, hold them down under the water or whip them out around the other side <laughs> and straight back in. So no one saw them. So it was great. Was there a particular sort of time of the tide that you were nabbing the fish? Uh, no, not really. It would, they were just, yeah, and um, there might be a, li- a little bit of a quiet time where we'd have to go right, they're not here, they're not feeding, so we would just trawl a little bit further down the river and see another patch come up and give that area work a couple of trawls and if we didn't pick one up then we'd move on. So, And but, even um, the fact that they were telling us to find the clean water, they were biting in anything really, even at dead low tide the water wasn't green or clean and we are still catching fish, so... Yeah. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't seem to matter. Now, there was another uh, unexpected and uh, presumably undesired uh, event that happened out there, the strange case of the flatulent fish. Oh. <laughs> it was disgusting. I think that was yours, Mel, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was just dry-reaching. It was disgusting. <laughs> so we, we released it back in the water and we were like, ooh, what's that smell? And it just kind of kept wafting around yeah. in the only air that was in the boat. It wasn't until we realised that it was actually some on my shirt. So we had to try and wash that in the water to get rid of the smell out of the boat. Mel number two was dry reaching for quite a while. This was the morning that you were feeling a bit dusty. 
It certainly didn't help. Look at my house. You blame the dog when you uh, when you drop your guts. But, uh, but are, you, are you sure it was the fish? Third year of Shady Lady. Any thoughts on the way it's kind of it, it rolled out this year? Um, I think the tides were a big factor this year. They really nailed the tides. Previous years, a lot of teams didn't manage to get a point scoring fish, but I think this year every team managed to get points on the board. So pretty neepy. Yeah, they were. So um, I think that just made a huge factor in everyone doing so well. So Mel 2, on day one, you got a 77, uh, but that was a bit of a drama. The fish took the lure and took me straight into the snags. Wasn't sure exactly where it was caught up or how it was caught up, but it wrapped itself around a stick, but vertically, not horizontally. So it was wrapped over the top and round, and we could see its tail flapping out the top of the water so joe the extraordinaire netter managed to be right up the front of the boat so tried to be ladylike at first and you know stand and get the net in the water that wasn't working so pretty much just you know everything came off yeah hat came off sunnies came off spread your legs get down there get the net in the water and then just fight like never fought before it was like yeah that was my kid in water and I had to get it out and it was coming out right or wrong regardless yeah so we got it it was great all right girls well uh good luck with the rest of the recovery joe good luck putting your dress back on the right way Um, and uh and congratulations at taking out shady lady 2017 thank you it was great we had a great time thank you and it was an awesome comp used three lures for the entire trip which sounds very much like me andy i'm not i'm not a fashion changer I don't dive to the tackle box if I haven't had a if I haven't had a hit. I'll persevere. I have faith. I have faith in my weaponry. Well, I must admit that fish fart has uh, had a fair bit of follow through to the sound of it. Very unattractive. Well done, ladies. Great effort. The mud crab. Territory mud crab. His mum probably still calls him Jeremy, but we here at the Tinny call him T Mud. G'day, mate. How you going? I'm good, boys. Yourself? Nice to see you back. Yeah, so good to be back. And uh, geez, you've been back with a vengeance. Had a, a bit of a mixed grill to a double destination date with quite a few fish. Yeah, well, uh, Ray Train gave me the leave pass this weekend, and uh, I was quite fortunate. I took a lend of it a little bit. Friday we went out with uh, Deepwater Dave and. Uh, and Maddie and we went out fishing for some barra and got a nice feed of crabs as well and then uh, went out with the lads on Saturday, did an overnight a trip out to Flattop and uh, we managed to find some nice redfish. It is a nice double date. Let's start with in close. Barra, we won't push you for a, a distinct location but uh, what sort of country and uh, what sort of barra? 45 minutes uh, from Palmerston I'd say, where you want to go. A little bit of dirt road involved so the covers are on the boat but we went out there and um, it was on those real neat tides. I think there was only a 77 centimetre point of movement there, so it was a really small, clean tide. So we went out to an area that we knew that had some nice snags and structure and um, we are trolling snags, some 10-foot lures, just sort of bouncing along, trolling the snags, and uh, we struck gold. We hit probably four bar out of that little troll run. Uh, biggest was 86, smallest 78. So that was good for the first bit in the morning. We are looking for water clarity where, it, where we're fishing. Normally it's quite dirty, so... We only go to these certain areas on the real clean tides, and um, you could just see them. The fish were hiding, sitting there in the in the structure there. And when you're going over the sound, you're sort of watching them move, 
and they get in that tail up position and as soon as you're seeing that you're just getting a strike straight away. Any casting involved or all trolling? Yeah, so we in the morning period we were just focusing on trolling of the snags and it's shut down around 11 o'clock. We did a little bit of crabbing in between and we ducked off to a different location and we're just trying to sand out new areas and find new snags so not every snag was holding fish and we just did that with by casting just going using uh, weedless soft plastics and I was using the vibe playing with fire there but <laughs> just trying to get the vibes in a bit deep so I lost a couple donated a few there but we got a few barra out of it how many donated vibes mm. oh I don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> that's all right no comment is acceptable and then uh, went big and wide I went out with uh, Youngy and the boys on Saturday and we launched at Dundee she was pretty appalling conditions going out but Youngie's got a nice big rig so it was pretty safe to go out there and we pushed all the way out about 120 k's off Dundee and found some nice ground out there and got onto some redfish. How long did it take you to cover those 120 k's? Oh roughly two two and a half hours I'd say to get out there. In rough conditions so uh, you got a few uh, ponies strapped on the back of this thing. Yeah, well, she's got uh, 300 ponies on the back, twin Yammy 150, so she goes pretty good. She's thirsty, but... <laughs> How was the pony juice? What was your fuel economy like? Oh, yeah, it's not the greatest. It's what We did probably 340 litres to uh, 280 kilometres. Now you seem a bit reticent about talking about fuel. Was there some other issue there, Jeremy? No, no, not much of an issue. Let's just say we're pretty grateful to the guys that come out and uh, lend us a few jerry cans. <laughs> so, no, there's a few. It's nice to see the TFT karma going around. So we were caught short not far from the ramp there and um, sent out a little bit of an SOS. We're in um, signal range and there's some good blokes out there. So I'd like to have a shout-out to those guys that come out and uh, lend us some jerry cans. It was, uh, it was nice of you. So let's get away from the, the travails of the actual journey. How would you go when you got out there? Yeah, we went pretty good. Um, got onto a nice section of Nanagai, small and large mouth. Nothing overly large with them, but they're great table fish. And uh, the boys managed to bag up a few red emperor and coral trout as well. I got my uh, PB red emperor. Oh, I didn't measure it. I just knew it's the biggest one I've ever caught on a butterfly jig. So I was pretty pumped. Yeah, we're in that sort of 60 metre depth of water. We're just looking around for a little bit of stuff on the bottom. There's no particular spot that we're going to. We're just sort of out there. It's quite difficult to fish you sort of just got to drift around a little bit and have a look what's going around out there and find an area where there's fish holding and just sort of try and pepper that area a bit. So this was a bit of a scoping trip for you boys? We've got the blue water comp coming up at the end of October here so we're going out just trying to find some new ground trying to have a look at a few spots that we already have see if they're still holding fish just scoping out what's going on and uh, hopefully if we can reproduce what happened bar the running out of fuel will be in a pretty good steads I reckon. <laughs> That's something you don't want to reproduce. No, no. So it's million dollar barra frenzy time right around the territory. So I've been chatting to a few mates about what they do in their boat if someone catches a barra. Do you have a rule in your boat or the boats that you go out on in terms of if someone catches a tag barra who is going to get the proceeds? It's a pre it's a fishy prenup, a piscatorial prenup. Yeah, that's something that I've left to open discussion before each barra trip. All I had with Deepwater Dave and Matty that was going to be an equal split three ways or it was on the boat 50-50. As soon as I shook hands, I automatically regretted it. I wanted an 80-20, but uh, <laughs> I, lost, I lost. It was two against one, so I lost against that. But, uh, yeah, it'd be an easy check to receive but a hard check to write, I reckon, if you got that million dollars. <laughs> T-Mud, what a champion. But... Uh... 
your next task. Andy has now a formal name, the Piscatorial Prenup, the PPN, which we will, you honour the job, fella. We want that knocked up and downloadable for next week. We need to avoid anger, violence and confrontation aboard the vessels. Andy. It's our duty, Rob, <laughs> to, to, to keep recreational vessels safe on the outside and on the inside. Well spoken. Well spoken. You're about to be hooked on another eloquently delivered Tales from the Tinny Tidbit. Take the bait. Subscribe to the podcast at abc.net.au slash tinny on the ABC Listen app or your preferred podcast provider. G'day, it's Brian here from Rapper Creek. Um, last Sunday we went out to Shoal Bay to try and see if we can find one of these barramundi with a red tag in it. We weren't able to find one with a red tag, but we had a uh, successful day anyway. Uh, when you say we, Brian, who are we speaking about? It was myself and uh, the young fella, Heath, who's uh, just turned five. G'day, Heath. How are you, mate? Good. Do you like fishing? Yes. I think your dad's been taking you fishing since you can remember. Yes, he has. How did this particular trip go? Good. When Daddy said to pull the fishing lure in, the barrel just sprang straight into it. I winded up and Daddy saw it splash out two times. Was he fighting your heart? Yes, he was. He was pulling my whole body in. <laughs> he, he went around the motor and uh, so I had to give him a little bit of a hand uh, when it was up close to the boat. But we could see the, the treble was uh, nice and perfectly hooked in the corner of the fish's mouth so we could take our time and he was able to land an 80 centimetre barrow which is not bad for his first legal size fish. And it fed the family two times. Two times? Even Did you eat a lot? Yes. You know what sort of lure caught the fish? It was a blue bird. Blue one, that's uh, right. I'll, I'll go and show you them. I've got one of those. I'll show you. Uh, I'll leave it there, buddy. We'll, we'll no, I'll, 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 I'll show you. Well, all right, no, oh, I, okay. I, I want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Go and get it. Go and get it. We'll have a look and we'll have a chat to Dad while you're getting the lure. I'll get it. So Mum's off getting the tackle, tackle box for us. But when a bloke wants to show you his tackle, you've got to, you got to let him roll that's with right. it. right, yes. He started his new tackle box only a week earlier where we bought him his new box and he went through and picked out his own lures and... Uh, yeah, he actually particularly picked that lure, gave it to me to put on his rod, and uh, that's the one he got his fish on. So you're out in Shoal Bay. Any chance of some more detail about where you were fishing? In a creek. <laughs> we'll call it Heath's Creek. Heath's Creek, yes, definitely Heath's Creek. Well, it's Heath's Bend. Uh, I'll give that much away. And would that be near, like, Heath's Rock? or <laughs> <laughs> Just past Heath's Rock. <laughs> So, obviously a very proud dad. He, he did all the work himself. He did all the work himself. Yeah, once uh, we were able to get him away from the snags and uh, back to drag off, once I saw the hook was nice and secure in the fish's mouth, that um, we could take our time and, yeah, got him in all by himself. Right, so here come the lures. Here you are, mate. Oh, there's a nice collection. There's Look at that. Bl- a bloke's jewellery box is what that's got. Look at that. Is these wow. all yours, mate? Where is the... Lua, where is it? It's a blue. <laughs> it's a... Yeah. I, I felt a bite on one, and I can't remember what one that is. Have you got a favourite lure? Yes, it's this one. Ooh. The tiger prawn. Its tail goes like this. Ah. You drop it. And then I pull it up and down, so the tail goes like this. That, that's 
didn't know I caught it on. It was a pretty bad. Are you going to keep using this lure, Heath, or do you gonna, reckon you're going to mount it and make it a trophy? I'm just going to keep using it. Because it's a winner, isn't it? Yeah. And you're going to catch heaps more? Yes. Did you catch a bigger fish than Dad? No. Oh, we better, we better speak to Dad again then. So it was a good day in the water, mate. It was a good day. Before we got the 80, we got a 96 centimetre one as well. Happy to get him in also. So this was a Sunday morning, mate? This was Sunday morning. Uh, on the way out there, we went through a little shower and thought that uh, things would clear up, and it did for a little while. And then once we got uh, into Shoal Bay itself, it proceeded to rain for the, about the next four hours. But obviously uh, didn't turn the, the, the salties off. No, no, I was a bit worried that it would dirty the water up too much, but we sort of worked our way around and found a few clear patches, and, uh, yeah, that's where we found them. Heath Bend is impervious to any, any freshwater intrusion. It is, it and is. I it's it's the place to go. I've still got more of that barry, you know. you still got more? Haven't eaten at all? Uh-uh. How do you feel as a parent when you see a kid catch a fish like that? Yeah, well, we, we, we were out there to get the, the 10,000 tag fish, but uh, didn't have a red tag in it, but I felt like I'd won 10,000 bucks anyway because, yeah, pretty special to, to see a young fella enjoy himself that much and, uh, and catch a fish that size being so young. I, I remember my first one, which was 55 centimetres when I was about 20 years old, and I, I, I don't forget that. So, uh, yeah, to catch an 80 centimetre at his age, is, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to beat. Good on you, mate. No worries. And good on you, Heath. Thanks. Get him all up, yeah. <laughs> Get him all up, yeah, indeed, Heath. What a little champion, Andy. That was a beautiful story. And what was equally beautiful was the book that they'd made um, with all the photographs of Heath. One of those hardcover ones you can get printed up with, like yeah. from baby photos right on. Mm. But there was no, you know, like here's a christening or whatever. It was all just fishing. Yeah. And, a, and a lure made mobile. Yes. And a small yellow water barra in the pram. He didn't stand a chance. Or more accurate, I shouldn't put it that way. He was always destined to be a champion fisher with this dedicated care from straight out of the womb by such fantastic fisher parents. Brian and Catherine, we salute you. It's just great parenting. Well, that about wraps us up for the tinny for this week, Andy, and for your dedicated pinch-hitting service. While Timmy and I have been tag-teaming in the uh, Harnham Land Escarpment cave of self-introspection and wisdom, it's been great having you aboard. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rob. It's been absolutely fantastic. But more importantly, thanks particularly today to T-Mud, Warren, Brian and Heath, Melanie Brown... And the other dirty oars, Joe Mellon Mel... George Jr., Chris Erity, and of course, the beard. <laughs> the beard. And you, Tinny listeners, wherever you may be listening across this far-flung wide brown land or big round blue planet, whether you have access to the mighty red tag or not, you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You need to get a mullet up, yeah. Tales from the Tinny.